a very warm welcome to this Mastering the Game of Life podcast with your host, Paul Lowe. Paul offers wisdom, insights and tips for living a healthy, meaningful, purposeful life. On the back of overcoming extreme adversity, Paul has a proven track record of achieving life-enhancing results. He offers empowering advice and guidance to help people develop a mindset for success so that they can live with more happiness and prosperity. Through his Mastering the Game of Life podcast and books, Paul also helps people to get their own inspirational messages and powerful stories out into the world, as well as being involved in supporting many charitable organisations in their development, fundraising and projects. Hello listeners and welcome to this Mastering the Game of Life podcast episode. Today I'm joined by a gentleman from... Sheffield in England. Somebody by the name of Steve George. Steve's a fascinating character. He's got a lot to tell. Um, Two times world champion and author. Uh, I'll let Steve tell you about his book in a moment. So without further ado, Steve, a very, very warm welcome to you. Thank you very much, Paul. And uh, what a lovely opportunity. It's nice that we've connected and nice that I finally, you know, come to your podcast to have a chat with you. Uh, share uh, a bit of inspiration, a bit of motivation, but also just find out about each other, which is going to be really nice. You're superb, and obviously a key part of that uh, voyage of discovery, Steve, is our, um, you know, is our illustrious listeners around the globe. You know, because without our listeners, this is really just a chat between two people, and obviously it's so much more than that. So, um, yeah, okay, Steve. Well, I've already alluded to two times world champion and author. Let's park the author bit for a moment. Give us an insight into the two times world champion bit, if you will. An insight, okay. And it's, I find it very interesting when people introduce me. It depends which one they want to choose, which accolade, as in some people introduce me as an uh, international motivational speaker or two times world champion or author or coach. And there's, there's many accolades to my name. The two times world champion is, um, is my journey, is, is what I talk about, is what, is what the book is, is about. It's about everything about me, really. Um, and it, it started a long time ago. Um, so in 2002, I had a near-fatal car accident. And following that, you know, I got both my legs crushed. I was told that I may never walk again. So as you can imagine, there's a, it's a bit of a, a, a fork in the path there, like a fight or flight. I'd either give in and just, you know, admit that I'd never walk again. But there was something inside me that wanted to fight. I think I'm a bit like that. I think when somebody tells me I can't do something, I don't like that. There's something inside me that gets really angry. And I guess that's the fight. So I was ready to fight against these words uh, that, that had been t- said to me. And so that's what I had to do. I had to take action. I had to take responsibility. I had to take ownership. Um, this is after, you know, if, you, if you consider the, the wave of resilience, which we've, you know, we'll probably mention later on, there's always after some kind of adversity, when somebody tells you something that you don't like, there's always a bit of denial and a bit of anger uh, that brings you down. And obviously there's a little bit of sharing. I guess that's the moaning part. Uh, but I was probably at rock bottom around that time as well. Uh, as in, I was just, you know, sulking. Some people might call it sulking. Some people might go even deeper and go into depression. But I was at a very, very low place. And it's a case of coming out of that place and then accepting the situation, which is what I had to do. And then more than that, it's about taking action. And so that's what I had to do through physio, through rehabilitation, 
through stretching my leg back. Uh, I'd lost four inches of bone, so I had to twist bolts on a cage of mine uh, day by day by day, slowly stretching my ligaments and skin and muscle to get my leg to the right length. I then had to grow my bone back with inside the leg, four inches of bone. That took me about a year and a half. I had to learn how to stand again. I learned, had to learn how to walk again. Uh, and this is on one leg. The other leg, I had the four ligaments ripped out of my knee. Those were replaced. I had to learn how to use that. When I got to the end of three years of rehabilitation, much as I could stand and walk, I was very different to what I was before the accident. Uh, my goal of getting back to normal, I, I, I suddenly realized, didn't exist. And that's horrible. When you set a goal and you, you, you discover that that goal is unachievable, um, there is no such thing as normal. But, you know, and I say this a lot to other people, you know, stop comparing yourself to others. And it's not, not easy to do because we, we, I think we naturally do. We naturally compare ourselves to others. But I couldn't. I could not compare myself to how I was before the accident. I was different now. And everybody's different. And you've got to stop comparing yourself to your friends, to your family, to celebrities. You know, at the moment, as we're having this podcast, we're going through this coronavirus. And there's a lot of situations going off. And again, people are comparing themselves to, to one another. And it, it's wrong. Because much as we're all in the same storm at the moment, we're in very different boats riding that storm. How are we going to get through? Um, people say, oh, we're not going to go back to normal or will we go back to normal? There is no such thing as normal. So it's no, it is what it is. And I had to start thinking about what I could do rather than what I couldn't do. Now, I was very pushing myself and you know, setting goals and I didn't want the accident to have a detrimental effect on my life. So I was pushing myself physically, um, thinking about, you know, I could swim so I could swim, I cycled so I could cycle. So I was looking for new challenges. I found this thing called a power triathlon, which is triathlon for disabled people. I'm going to whiz through the story very quickly now. But basically, I got into the, into the sport. I competed as a disabled athlete, became British champion, grabbed opportunities to represent Great Britain. I set new challenges for myself became European champion, now as an elite athlete, still working full-time in construction, still with a family and two kids, and now swimming, cycling, and running at an elite level. And that took me all the way to Beijing in 2011, where I competed in the World Championships, and I came home with the gold medal, being champion of the world within my category. So that was all about a, about a 12-year journey, you know, from the accident to actually getting the gold medal. Um, but what a journey, you know, what a journey to, to do, what an accolade to get to be stood on that podium to see the flag being raised for me and my country and hearing the national anthem being played was such an honour, such an accolade, such an emotional time for me. Uh, and that is generally what I talk about in my, in my talks and my keynotes uh, about becoming a world champion, but also the, the journey that I took through the wave of resilience to get to that point. Mm. So riding the wave of resilience to become a winner. What age was you, Steve, when when you had the accident? So I was uh, just turned 29 years old. And apparently that's very significant because um, if you're over 30 years old, they, they would have just amputated my leg. They would have just cut it off because bone doesn't grow back as well um, when you're, when you, as you get older. Um, but because I was 29... I was kind of under the under the bar, so they said, "Okay, well, we'll give it a go. Let's see if Mr. Judge can grow his bone back. Um, you know, good luck, kind of thing." Uh, mm -hmm. They they made that decision without me. I was in the operating theatre, so they, they couldn't ask me. I would have pleaded with, to them. Of course, I would have done. 
but you know they've got a I guess they've got a chart and anything if they're under 30 they go oh, let's go for it so yes I was 29 years old then so how how old yours were you when you first stepped onto that um that podium as a winner well the first podium was in 2009 seven years later when I did the British Championships uh and Beijing was 2011 so that's uh so what's that nine years later is that nine years yeah nine years later well you'd have been 36 wouldn't you seven years yeah. for your first one 2009 so 36 wow I mean that in itself because I think we get to a certain time in our life Steve and you know I mean the term old or older is just a label with a judgment that goes with it. it's very subjective of course um you know people in their 90s can be very young conversely people in their late teens can be very old it's all yeah. about mindset, isn't it? And how we, you know, our model of the world. But for me, listening to that, uh, 36, you know, that's not, I mean, no, well, okay, I was going to make an assumption there, but I was going to assume or make a statement based on an assumption that at 36, for an athlete, that is quite sort of at the top end of the scale age-wise. Would that be a fair assumption, Steve, or am I wide of the mark on that? No, I think it's a very fair assumption. I think the difference <clears throat> is uh, with disability sports um, and especially in in power triathlon, luckily enough for me. So power triathlon was a fairly new sport that was just coming into its, its, you know, its light, I guess. Uh, and because of that, everybody was having a go. So, you know, you've got a disability, you, you want to do triathlon, why not try power triathlon? So it's a growing sport. So because of that, I think when you start that, you, you get lots of different age ranges and, and groups and everything. As time went on, so I competed at that level for four years. As time went on, you could see that there was young blood definitely coming in because these these younger guys were seeing us, uh, us elite uh, champions as role models. And they were saying, I want to be like them. You know, I'm, I'm 16 years old can I do a power triathlon now that I'm aware of this sport? And you're like, of course you can. Come and give it a go. So you've got the new blood coming in. Um, so, yes, uh, in a way you could say that I was lucky to find it at that time. Um, but also, you, you've also got a, a massive mix of ages. So when I was competing, much as I was 36 years old, there were some uh, you know, young 20-year-olds that I was competing against. So you've got a massive age difference um, but yeah, it's just about the how much effort you put in and how committed and dedicated you are. I, in a former life, Steve, was involved in professional football in the academy at Nottingham Forest. And I used to love to ask this question of, of people, sports people generally, uh, footballers, whatever. I mean, the sport was irrelevant, really. I'm going to ask you the same question, Steve. Are world champions born or are they made? Um, I, okay, I, oof, I believe that anybody can be a world champion. So, so I believe that you it can be born. You can be born with it. It's whether or not you want to take it to that level. Uh, if you've got it, in, I think everybody's got it inside them. A lot of people compare that with you know, becoming a world champion, as in just getting through the rehabilitation. Oh, I couldn't have done the physio. I couldn't have twisted bolts in my cage and extended my leg. I couldn't have put myself through the pain barrier and tried to walk. I'm thinking, are you sure? You don't know. You don't know that. You you put yourself in that position, you know, you, you can do anything. When it comes down to health, 
it's amazing what you can achieve. Have I always been goal setting? <clears throat> I guess I have. You know, when I was a young kid, I was very much involved in scouting. I love the scouting. I love the badges. You know, you get in scouting. I love the fun, the challenge, the adventure. <laughs> but the badges I like getting. Uh, and I think all kids like achieving certificates and little shields and medals and things like that. Yeah. It's lovely. It's nice. And so I, I, I was always, you know, setting goals and working towards them. As a runner, before the accident, I was pushing myself, doing PBs and things like that and, and doing that uh, at that level. I think when I had the accident, it, it opened my eyes to, um, to what I needed to do. So I needed to step it up a bit. Everything that I needed to survive was uh, exaggerated. So much as I've done a little bit of goal setting, now came the crunch. Now it's my health. Now it really mattered. Standing and walking game was so important to me that I used everything that I'd learned up to those years, so 29 years of my life, to get me through the rehabilitation. When I achieved that, to the level I had, I'd been the best I could be. I had disability, but I knew that I couldn't have done any more. I thought, well, what more can I do? Let's, tr let's try the swimming. Let's try the cycling. Oh, look, there's this thing called triathlon. Let's try that. And it's about trying all these things. Going back to scans, it's like trying all the badges in scouting, which ones sometimes you, you're good at them, sometimes you're not so good at that. So when you say a world champion, a world champion in what? You know, in, in chess, in sports, in academics, it, it depends what you choose and, and what level you, you achieve in that. And the only way you're going to find that out sometimes is to try everything, lots of things. Go for it. You know, life's out there. Try lots of things. And people say, oh, you know, Steve, I, I want to lose weight, but I don't like running. And I go, well, don't run. Crikey, don't, don't do something that you don't like. Find something you do like. Find some exercise that you do like. It might be trampolining. It might be basketball. It might be yoga. I don't know. Everybody's different. So go out there and try all these different things. Find out what you what makes you happy, what, what you're good at. And if you really want to get to a top level, like a world champion, then go for it. That's not for everybody. I get that. I get that I'm competitive and I know that I push myself and I like the testosterone, the endorphin release and adrenaline and the accolade. I like that. I like being on the pedestal and on the podium. Other people don't. So because of that, they might never want to be a world champion. But I do believe that they could if they really wanted to. I think they've got it inside them. I think they're born with it. Mm, absolutely. So a couple of things there, Steve. I want to come on to the I can mindset in a moment. But let's park that thought for just a moment. And I want to I want to introduce this, um, I suppose it's uh, an adage or a cliche, how you do one thing is how you do everything. What's your thoughts around that? Um, yeah, I agree. So... It's, yeah, how you do everything is how you do anything. So let me think, okay, so yeah, if you think about my journey, um, as uh, when I was going through rehabilitation, I was setting goals. I was thinking about, you know, I needed to get my, at one point I needed to get my leg straight because I'd, I'd lengthened my leg out and I couldn't get it straight because everything was tight. So I started doing physio and I set a goal. I need to get my, the first thing I did was I bought a protractor. I'm an engineer at heart. So um, I got a protractor, I measured my leg, I benchmarked it so that I could see how far I needed to get my leg straight. I then did lots of physio, lots of work to get it to that length. So all I did lots of goal setting throughout my rehabilitation. Moving on to being an elite athlete, of course I set goals. I um, you know, set goals in my swimming, my cycling, my running, got better and better, became a world champion. Now, as a motivational speaker, I'm setting goals in that and I'm benchmarking. I mean, you could be talking about financial performances. That's, that's one benchmark. 
It might be how many people I've inspired. We talked about the book. I've written my autobiography. How many book sales have I got? I'm setting goals. I'm benchmarking it. And I'm taking action and working towards it. It's how I do lots of things. You know, at the moment, we're home homeschooling with my kids. So I can talk to them about what homework have we got? Right. What are you going to do today? It's not being strict. It's just being structured. So I do believe that that's how I operate. Um, you can expand that onto you know, anything and everything. So things like turning up on time. Uh, if, you, if you have a meeting, you know, you want to get there on time. Uh, so, yeah, I believe that it, it's, it's who you are. It's your characteristics and they shine through in everything that you do. Mm. Yes, definitely agree with that. So going flipping back to uh, the mindset, this I can, the word that you mentioned previously, Steve, quite, quite a few times was, you know, paraphrasing other people, I, I couldn't, I can't. And it is, I mean, okay, don't assume again, Paul. Is it as simple as sheer mindset to be able to, it's a black and white choice of I can versus I can't. Is it that simple, Steve? Yeah. That sounds black and white, but there's a lot more to it. But if you knuckle it down, it is. It's about finding the right thing, whether you can do it or you can't do it. If you really want to do something, I mean, really want to do something, then you'll find a way. It's all about having the right vision. Uh, the thing, again, I call it what's your gold. And, and my presentations are very much talking about what people's goal is, what's keeping them motivated, what's their goal, their opportunity, their love their desire, maybe their dream. What do they aspire to be like? What's their, their future avatar look like? Once you find out what you really, really want, and it might be health or love or finance or business, I don't know, everything, you know, different things make people, different people tick. But finding out what that thing is, that real passion, that's what will motivate you to take action. And if you want it enough, then yeah, you, you'll start, you know, working towards it. And I'm not saying that this journey is going to be easy as you're working towards your vision. There's going to be barriers in your way. Of course there are. There, there always are those damn barriers. You've got to see those barriers as excuses, though. You're going to turn those excuses into challenges. Now, I've just used the word challenges. Some people don't like challenges. Uh, they're quite happy just with the straight and narrow and the, the flat line. But then if they realise that if they get through that barrier, they can achieve what makes them really happy, that should encourage them to keep going. And if it's not, then maybe the thing that's, uh, that they're heading towards is not big enough. Maybe the goal is not big enough. So it's about rethinking about it and thinking, what exactly do you want? What does make you happy? Keeping yourself motivated is about having your vision all the time, having a vision board doing visualization, closing your eyes and thinking about why are you doing all of this? What are you working towards? Igniting that fire inside you every single day because there are times when it's tough. Like we said, we're talking about coronavirus. There's, there's times that are tough for everybody at the moment. And you, you sometimes you just feel like giving in. But you've got to think about what you're going to be like at the end of this. Where do you want to be? And once you get that clear, then I believe that everybody has got the power inside them to push themselves, to motivate themselves, to even inspire themselves to, to smash through those barriers and carry on going towards their vision and their goal. Mm. You mentioned uh, within that, Steve, the word excuses, which nicely leads us into your uh, title of your book, Don't Lean on Your Excuses. Yeah. Just give us a brief insight again, Steve, as to why that title became um, so important. Well, I think the, the phrase don't lean on your excuses, I 
I, I struggled to think where it came from. I think it came from when I was in hospital uh, doing all my rehabilitation. And it's something that I've used a lot as time's gone on. It's become my motto in a way because it makes so much sense because it's not saying that there's no excuses out there. Of course, there's excuses. There's excuses everywhere. It's, I find there's loads of excuses in winter, mainly when it's dark and it's cold. You're out there in Spain at the moment, aren't you? So maybe you don't have that quite so much. But yeah, you know, when it's dark and it's cold or things are things are hard for you, there's loads of excuses. And I'm not saying they're not there. What I'm saying is this, don't lean on them. Just be aware. It's like being open to yourself that, okay, I'm leaning on this excuse. Now, just be careful before going further. Is it a fact or is it an excuse? There are two different things. Sometimes if it's a fact, you just cannot do it. You're not being, you know, you're not procrastinating or not leaning on excuses. It's a fact you can't do that thing. Um, however, if it's not a fact and it is an excuse, then admit it to yourself. Are you leaning on your excuses? And if you are, then again, turn that excuse into a challenge. So this is what I talk about. My whole book is, is centered around that motto, really, uh, throughout the whole journey. And it's funny, uh, you mentioned about the title of the book. So to promote my book, I wanted to raise some interest. And so I put a competition out there. And I said, look, I've, I've written my autobiography. Has anybody got any suggestions for the title? And um, I had over 100 suggestions for the, the title. And I was kind of I wanted something a bit quirky something that would make people pick up the book that's what I really wanted so the fact that I grew my leg back by four inches that's quite good two times world champion that's kind of intriguing as well and I got all these these uh these ideas and in the end um I did a voting system and the one that won was don't lean on your excuses which is which is actually my suggestion because it's my motto uh, so I kind of won my own competition, which it seems a little bit of a, a shame. Still, it did get some interest going, but it just suited so much the book itself, who I am, what everything's about. And the, the full title does go a little bit longer than that. So don't lean on your excuses. A world champion's courageous story that inspires living with no regrets. The living with no regrets is extremely important. So um, basically, when my head hits the pillow at the end of each day, I say to myself, any regrets, any regrets for today? You know, you're going to do this, that and the other. Have you done everything? Have you got any regrets? And sometimes I, you know, I do. Yeah, I haven't done everything I want to do. And that's really bad because I spend maybe too much time on social media. I got dragged away or and, and I regret that. And I think, OK, don't don't worry about it. Don't stress about it. Just make sure tomorrow, Steve, you don't do that. You know, stick to what you, you said you're going to do. Now, there might be other times when I say, look, I didn't send all those emails I was going to do because my kids were wanted my attention and I went and went for a cycle ride with them. Well, that's not too bad. There's no regrets there. I spent time with my kids. So sometimes only you can decide whether you have regrets or, or, or not. But another classic example is in the, uh, in the spring, summer, I love going swimming in the lakes uh, and I go on a Saturday morning, so I wake up. Now, in June, it's still a little bit fresh in the morning and I wake up at seven o'clock and the idea of getting out of bed cycling down to the lake and jumping into the cold lake doesn't really make me jump out of bed I must admit I feel like turning over and just snuggling down a little bit more however what I do is I think about how I'm going to feel coming out of the lake after I've done a swim and I, I smile I'm smiling now as I think about it because I love open water swimming I love the feeling of getting out of the lake going wow it's like 10 o'clock in the morning I've just been swimming with this you know the swans the ducks and the blue sky and I feel alive, and that that feeling is amazing, and that feeling is the feeling that gets me out of bed. 
that's the one that I have no regrets on. And so because of that, I get up, I get changed, I cycle down, I go and do my thing. So it's about seeing your future self and thinking how you will feel. And I use that for motivation. Mm. What, what's going through my mind there listening as, you, as you're speaking there is, um, so maybe every single one of us, you know, going back to the question, you know, is it uh, a world champions born or made? And this whole kind of journey that we go on to. One of the things I do, I do know from my own experience, researching everything that I've come to understand about mastering the game of life or certainly working towards mastering, because I think that's a little bit of a misnomer. Do we ever truly master it? I think we can get very close, but continue that metaphor. Goalposts in life are continually moving, aren't they? You know, when you had your car accident, it turned your world upside down and obviously took you down a different path. And, you know, it doesn't have to be something as challenging and as, as radical as a car accident. You know, isn't it true that for each and every one of us in everyday life, there are challenges, that things are happening that, you know, we can lash out, we can blame the outside world. But isn't it true? It's, it's a question of how we react to that challenge. And one of the things there, Steve, picking up on the world champion thread is maybe every single one of us, choose not to go down that path but I because maybe an easier path if easy is even the right word is to become a world game changer and what I mean by that is isn't it true that each and every one of us every single moment of every day can do a random act of kindness just something small to help somebody's life feel that just that little bit better you know, carrying the bag for the, you know, the proverbial old lady or, or gentleman for, for that matter. You know, whatever that is, that makes, in my book, that makes us a world game changer because somebody in the world, we're making the world, the world a little better. Any thoughts around that, Steve? Yeah, it's, um, I find, so I do workshops where I ask people, well, the, the whole workshop is about finding what their gold is and then working towards it. What do they really want? So Simon Sinek would say, you know, what is your why? Hmm. What, what do you really have? What are you, what are you working towards? And what I find very interesting is that, you know, you initially, and this might be with school kids, it might be with CEOs and managing directors. Initially, it might be, oh, I, I want to get loads of money uh, and, and stuff, earn money or just win money or whatever. I, I want money. And you just go, okay, well, what do you want the money for? Oh, I'm going to buy a big house for my family. Oh, that, that's that's nicer that's good or oh, I'm going to go on holiday I'm going to take all my friends on holiday and all my family on holiday and then I'm going to you know give some money to the charity basically what I'm saying is what, whatever these goals are that they initially want it's somewhere connected in it is usually helping other people and I think this is a human content that we we have a categorization that we do actually get a lot of happiness from helping other people and it's working out how you can do that still satisfying your your why, your gold, um, still making sure that you're happy uh, and other people are happy as well. And I think that's really nice. And I've seen that a lot uh, as people have, you know, worked out what their gold is. And, and it's the same for mine. You know, I, I love being an inspirational, motivational speaker, but my main why is to help people have the happiness and the fulfillment of achieving their true life goal. And what I mean by that is I ask a lot of people, you know, you know how things and work and they go yeah it's okay 
Okay, how's your love life? Yeah, it's okay. How's your health? Yeah, it's okay. Okay is used an awful lot. And I just think, well, that's a great shame in a way that it's not brilliant, fantastic, awesome, or any other amazing words that they could use. Because I've been there. You know, I've been on, on top of the podium. That was awesome. Uh, now I, I love my job. I love jumping out of bed and doing my morning workout and inspiring people and motivating. I love that. And my, my kids see me working really hard, but they also see me enjoying my work. They say, you, you work hard, Dad, because you like doing it. And I go, yeah, I know, I do. That's not a bad thing. And it's lovely that my kids are going to grow up seeing that their, their, their father enjoys his work. I don't think many kids see their parents enjoying their work or enjoying their life. Everything is okay. So it's working out what that, what that means for them. It's usually helping other people. Uh, I, do, I do a lot of work for charity as well. My charity is the Scouts. So much as it helped me you know, with, my, with the badges when I was young, and I think using that goal setting, I used to, to get me through my rehabilitation, elite athlete and entrepreneur. But now I'm actually giving back. So I'm a Cub Scout leader. I go down. It is time and effort. Uh, even especially now during coronavirus, we're doing it all online. But I'm setting games and challenges for my for my pack. And they love it. You know, it's, it's the communication that they get, the challenges, the badges that they get. You never know where those badges are going to take them later on in their life. Like mm-hmm. the, the fun, the challenge, the adventure, and also the life skills and the opportunities and seeing them happy makes me happy as well. So it is about giving and it, you know, you do, you do get what you give. I know sometimes it can take time. And uh, at this moment I'm, I'm giving a lot, uh, a lot of uh, webinars. I'm doing a lot of help for people, a lot of um, free sessions and I'm not getting at the moment, but I know it will come because that's how it works. Uh, yeah. And you have to believe that. Yeah, Absolutely. Mentioned the word earlier on a few times, accolade. You know, we've got this uh, two times world champion, speaker, author, etc., etc. What is your favourite accolade? What you know, if you could only have one label attributed to you, what would that be? Um, I think motivational speaker. Um, I, I I love that because because it it motivates people because it it makes people happy. There's the title, um, world champion could almost be seen as quite a selfish thing. That's that's what they are. They are world champion. But if you're a motivational speaker, you're clearly motivating other people. You're helping mm. other people. Um, so I love that. Also from that comes the journey of everything that we've just been talking about, whether it's the author or the, the world championship. So yeah, the fact that, that I feel that that's a, a real positive um, message, a, a real positive accolade to have and that's what I'm working really hard on um I you know I've I've entered competitions but at the moment I'm the president of the Yorkshire Speaking Association so I'm doing that again that's a voluntary role so I've got I'm president this year and the main reason I've done that is to give back again now we've talked about that earlier so the PSA is a really good opportunity for people who want to become speakers to actually learn more about it and that's where I was four years ago. I wanted to become a speaker. I remember when I when I when my contract finished my last job, they said, Steve, what, what are you going to do next? You know, you've got no job. What are you going to do? And I stood there like, almost like with a, a Superman pose with my hands on my hips. And I, I looked at the sky and I said, I am going to be a motivational speaker. And they're like, wow, Steve, that's amazing. And this is, Steve, how are you going to do that? And I said, I 
haven't got a clue. I didn't know how to do it. But <laughs> I, I, I also realised at that stage that if you if you want something enough, if you want your goal, your goal, as we talked about earlier, you will find a way of making it happen. And one of the first things I did was join the PSA, Professional Speaking Association. There they had a competition. I'm quite competitive. I entered. That took me on my journey. Loads of feedback and a little bit more feedback and more feedback because I thought I was good and I wasn't good. I was good as a speaker, but not as a professional speaker. And suddenly you're mingling with professional speakers and they give you the input that you need to improve. Year by year, I've got better and better. And now to be president, I'm now given the opportunity to other people to say, hey, I want to be a speaker. And I'm like, okay, bring it on. Come to the meeting. Let's see if we can help you. It is a really difficult uh, job to have, business to have. However, it's not impossible. So, so come to the meeting. Anybody can come. Because a lot of people say, well, I'd love to come, but I'm not a speaker. I'm like, no, no, that's the whole point. You come and you become a speaker. So opening the door and this year in 2020, we've had the biggest meetings that Yorkshire has ever had. And that's through my presidency because I've been marketing it. I've been inviting everybody and just say, come and have a go. See, see if you like it. You can just sit at the back, just take notes, but just you know, grab that opportunity. So that's what I'm doing at the moment. I'm halfway through the year now and I'm looking forward to the rest of the year. And it has been challenging. Of course it has. As a speaker, you know, we, I, I speak at conferences. There's not many conferences at the moment. And the whole speaker world is kind of upside down. We're doing everything on Zoom. We're doing it all online. And I'm thinking, what more can I do online? So my, my keynotes, uh, we're all stuck in this little television set, you know, with the Zoom calls and everything. But now I'm introducing sound effects. On, on my Zoom calls and my keynotes, which is amazing. And, and everybody said, wow, that's really good. And I'm thinking, good, excellent. What more can I do? So it's about expanding about you know, what you can do. And as a motivational speaker, that's what I love. I'm always thinking, how can I motivate them? The highs, the lows, the comedy, the, the acting. How can I engage them? The memorability. So making sure that your message is, is memorable, so it stays in people's minds, so they carry it on and take it and share it with other people. So it's like a, it's like a, a project. It's like a game. You're always growing your your keynote, changing it, manipulating it, making it better and better. When you think you've got it right, you're wrong. There's more that you can do to it, and you can only get that from listening to other speakers, uh, getting ideas and trying them out, and, uh, and 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 seizing the challenge, I guess. And get, like I say, going on Zoom, many many challenges. However, the more you do it, the better you get. So yeah, to be known as a motivational speaker, a good one, one of the best in the UK then uh, that's, that's an awesome accolade to have. Might take that challenge on with you, Steve. Might take that challenge on. <laughs> Watch this space. Um, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, right, okay. So, Steve, and listeners know that, um, well, I'm going to talk to, to our listeners now. So we are at that time of the um, events, listeners, where we're coming to a close. And as you know, I always ask our guest at this stage one big, big final question. And I'm going to park that for a moment with Steve. Um, we'll invite Steve back in and ask him to share his contact details so you know you know how to get in touch with him, reach out to him, whatever that may be. So, Steve, how how do our listeners reach out to you? How do they get in contact with you? The the best way is social media, I would say. I'm, I'm everywhere. So LinkedIn is really good for businesses, uh, but just connect me with them on that. Uh, Facebook, again, just type in Steve Judge. Twitter, uh, I'm also on YouTube. Instagram, I'm known as at Scout Judge. 
But even if you type in Steve Judge, I think you'll find me. So follow me, by all means, follow me. Don't follow me home. Don't follow me. That's, that's stalking. Don't do that. But yeah, there's various ways. The website I have is www.steve-judge.co.uk. Again, easy to find. You can even just type me into Google and you'll probably get some images coming up of me crossing the finish line with my arms up in the air. So various ways that people can get in contact. And I urge people to do that. If, they, if they've got a question that they want to ask me or if they want help with something, just reach out, send me a message. Let's let's have a chat and let's help each other out. Superb. And so there you have it, listeners. No excuses. So in other words, don't lean on your excuses. Reach out to Steve. Yeah. So, Steve, the big question. Yeah. What I normally do at this stage is, is say, imagine we're in the elevator. We're, you know, we're on the ground floor of a, a hotel. Um, and, you know, we're going up to the next level. Two strangers. Hello, Steve. My name's Paul. Paul, Steve. Blah, blah, blah. And it's that proverbial 60 seconds, maybe one minute, Steve. I'm going to really tie you in. This lift's going to the top of the floor now. We've just met. And I've just asked you a question, Steve, because when we get to the top of the floor, we're going to go separate ways. So 30 seconds, one minute. And the question is this, Steve, how do we go from normal to extraordinary? Normal to extraordinary. So the main thing you got to do, I'd say there's three principles you got to do. First of all, find out what your goal is, what your goal is. What's that goal that you want, that opportunity, the love, desire, that dream. Find out what that is, draw a picture, get a vision board, work out what that is that makes you happy. Secondly, benchmark it straight away now, today. If you want to lose weight, weigh yourself. If you want to earn more money, what's your bank account now? If you want to run faster, what are you running at now? benchmark it as soon as you can you will need that benchmarking to grade yourself on how you improve or not improve the third thing you're going to do take action do something less of the talking and the writing things down take some action what are you going to do to make sure and keep referring to the benchmarking keep referring to the vision because all three of those will help you motivated you need to stay motivated there will be times when you're hitting those barriers you need to smash through those those that motivation that vision the benchmarking will help you to take even more action and push towards your goal your gold absolutely superb thank you very much steve it's been an absolute pleasure so um obviously we'll speak privately no doubt but uh, yeah just immense gratitude really steve for for giving the time to come on and, and share with, with me and our listeners around uh, your uh, you know i'm not going to use the word motivational because i think there's something far deeper and far more powerful it's called inspiration thank you very much steve thank you so listeners there we have it the truly inspirational steve judge and all that remains for me to say now is Remember, mastering the game of life starts by embracing our hearts. Thanks very much for listening to this Mastering the Game of Life podcast episode. If you found it interesting and helpful, drop a line to Paul via paul at paul-low.com. With any thoughts or questions you may have, he'd love to hear from you and he'd be more than happy to respond. Alternatively, check out Paul's website at www.paul-low.com. Remember, mastering the game of life starts by embracing our hearts.